So welcome back, everybody. It's time again for Living Hope. The one show, the only show that shows you a path towards making it through one of the journeys nobody wants to be on, that journey with pancreatic cancer. Giving you hope, inspiration, and education from those dealing with it on a daily basis. From our chief educator here, <laughs> she's talked about this more than anybody and still willing to talk about it, Roberta Luna. Hey, Roberta. I thank you for that. I'm not sure any of my teachers would have agreed with that educator part. But that's... Uh, educator of the year. <laughs> there you go. That's funny. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. It seems like I haven't been here for a while. We've done a couple of, of Zooms, so it's nice to be back in the studio. But today I have Tom Arai with me. Thank you. I'm always <laughs> nervous when I come to the names. Tom is a seven-year pancreatic cancer survivor and is with us today. And thank you, Tom, for coming. I'm really happy to see you and happy to share your story. I'm glad to be here. Before you were diagnosed, you had a really, I would say, healthy, active life. Um, yeah. Let me kind of go through this. I was never in the hospital. I was never really sick before I got pancreatic cancer. My wife and I were on vacation and we were on a river cruise, and uh, I was drinking and eating and probably drinking a little too much. But uh, <laughs> hey, you're on but, a cruise, but, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, after about a week, I told her, you know, my stomach feels kind of funny. And, I, you know, I really had no symptoms. I just felt like, you know, I was eating too much rich food, drinking too much. So I said, I'm, I'm going to, you know, cut back and, you know, eat like I normally do. I did have one symptom that was kind of unusual. I, what I guess, you know, typical for pancreatic cancer patients, at night when I went to sleep, I sleep on my back. I had a small pain in my lower left back. On a scale of one to 10, it was probably one half. And as soon as I stood up, it went away. We got back from vacation and I went and saw my primary care physician. And she said, I think you have, you know, we have a you know, stomach ulcer or something, take some thumbs. And I took mm. thumbs for a couple of weeks and I said, this is not helping. And she gave me something stronger and you know, it wasn't helping. And then she did the CT and MRI scan. She said, I'm gonna, you know, I just, out of abundance of caution, I'm gonna do this. And I was working and it was actually on my 65th birthday. She called me and I was up in the Bay Area working and she says to me, I need to see you. I said, okay. I said, I'm, I'm out of town. And she said, I need to see you as soon as I can. So I said, okay. And long story short, she, you know, she said, I, I see something on the CT or MRI and, and MRI and I want you to see somebody and let's confirm what it is. And she didn't call it cancer. And, you know, she, but she was insistent. She'd been my primary care physician for 10 years. And so I went to UCI, UC Irvine. See, they had the biopsy and I met my oncologist in 2015. Her name is Dr. Tara Siri. And the day I went in, she says, great news. She says, I'm gonna put you on uh, chemotherapy, but I just signed up for a clinical trial and I think you'd be a good candidate. And it's a phase two clinical trial for an experimental drug. And, my wife, who is my support and my caregiver and actually helped me navigate because I, I had no idea what was going on initially. She was a pharmaceutical rep, so she kind of took charge and she said, this is what we want to do. And I'm very fortunate. I was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. I had 
the cancer in my pancreas, liver, and lungs. And I did a 15 months, every two weeks, 28 sessions of Blofurinox 5, which is chemotherapy, along with an experimental drug. And after 15 months, I was very fortunate. I had no detectable cancer. That was the end of 2016, and my oncologist, Dr. Siri, had put me on an oral chemo, which I take to this day. I'm very fortunate because I'm a, as Robert said, I'm a seven and a half year survivor. I've not had a recurrence. I don't say I'm in remission or I'm cancer free. I just say I have no detectable cancer because I continue to take oral chemo. Yeah, from not a really good way to start your birthday, but from that point, how long did it take them to actually detect or come up with pancreatic cancer diagnosis? So I had the CT and MRI done by my primary care physician. Uh, UCI did the biopsy uh, within a couple weeks and put in the port for the chemo, uh, port being the thing they put in your chest to put in the... To make it a little bit easier. To make it a little bit easier. Yeah, and then I probably started the actual chemo and everything within a month of first meeting Dr. Siri. So from the time, and the reason I, I want to go with this, just because it's really important, from the time like when your first doctor said, here, take some Tums, yeah. to the point to where something was actually detected, how much time do you think probably went by? Two or three weeks. Oh, okay, that's really yeah. very quickly, because yes. I've heard people yeah. say, you know, like my dad's situation, it was like six to eight months before they actually did anything, yeah. so yeah. And I've met a lot of survivors who, you know, it's a very anxious time when mm-hmm. you're first diagnosed, and uh I'm just fortunate that, you know, my wife, who is a pharmaceutical rep, you know. <laughs> Which knew. we all had one of those, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, I, I, again, she stayed on top of it. And, you know, and Dr. Siri, this, it was just serendipitous that she said she had just signed up for a clinical trial and thought I was a good candidate. So. Yeah, so you did. That's awesome. That's important for us to always consider clinical trials because they are very important. Yes, yes. I've been in two clinical trials, and, and they both work very well for me. So it's always good. I'm sure other people on your show have talked about this, but clinical trials, if you're in a clinical trial, whether you are you get the experimental drug or not, you're still getting standard of care treatment. It's not like you're not getting treatment. There's so. no placebo. It's a right. standard. Yeah, you're getting, yeah. you're getting, everyone is getting, you know, whatever treatment plus some people get the clinical drug or experimental drug. Yeah, that's one of the myths that we're always trying to fight is yeah. that there is no yeah. placebo involved. I don't know about what other cancers do, but at least with pancreatic cancer, there is no placebo. Right. You're going right. to get the standard of care and hopefully the new drug to see how it, right. how it does. How, did you do well with the experimental drug? Yes, I did very well. It was a phase two clinical trial. And again, I don't know whether it was the chemo or the chemo and the experimental drug that helped me so much, but I did very well. But when you were first diagnosed, it was actually staged at a stage four or? Yes, that was stage four. So initially my wife and I had looked at having uh, Whipple surgery, but again, because it was stage four, I was not a candidate for Whipple surgery. And that is because it had metastasized outside? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to clear so yes. people understand why <laughs> sometimes surgery is, is not uh, the way to go. Yeah. You, like I said, you were very active before, and then you've done the chemo. And are you back to your, like, pre-normal life, or do you have a new normal life, or how is that working for you? I guess considering my age, I'm, I'm <laughs> pretty, I know I am, I'm, I'm still active. Before I got pancreatic cancer, I was a bicycle rider, and I still ride a bike. 
I play golf two or three times a week. I exercise, so yes, I'm pretty much back to what I was. I did find that doing exercise or something that I enjoyed during chemo or treatment helped pass the time and also helped take my mind off of whatever it was, you know, I was going through because I, as you know, when you're a patient, I mean, you're just anxious and any little body <laughs> thing you've, you know, that doesn't feel normal is just going to set off alarms. So, I mean, it, you know, it just helped calm me down. So, You mentioned originally the doctor didn't mention cancer, didn't say anything about cancer. So when they did tell you that it was pancreatic cancer, how, how was their perception of it? How did they tell you and how did you feel when you heard the words? My primary care physician never told me I had cancer because she didn't have the biopsy at the time. So she, she just said it was a mass and she said, I think you should see an oncologist, which I did. So. I don't know why. For some reason, when I was diagnosed, I don't think it really, uh, I don't want to say bothered me, but I just, I just kind of said, okay, what's next? And that's kind of the attitude I've had. To say I didn't think it was my time doesn't sound right, but I really didn't think it was my time, so I didn't. I, I totally understand that because I, <laughs> and I think it's okay to say that because you know, and I think going in with it with the right mind frame to start with, sometimes is what helps us get through it. Yeah, I don't know for sure because you know, there's a lot of people who have the right frame of mind, and unfortunately, yeah. they don't survive. There's so. people that have a better frame of mind than me, or you know, in my mind, you know, have a better chance than I had, and you just never know. Everyone's journey is different, so. Yeah, we have that one common thread, but like I say, everything is different, and we can all share certain things, but for whatever reason, they start different chemos, and it's different with everybody. Yeah. Why that is, it's just a really tough cancer, but you did something, you and, and a fellow survivor did something that I think is really amazing, and I really appreciate it, and wish I could spend more time on it, but you, can you talk to us a little bit about sure, that? Sure, sure. So who you're referring to is uh, Susan Stuber. Susan is well, a fellow survivor. We met, the three of us mm-hmm. met, when UC Irvine started a survivor group, a meeting, monthly meeting. I think that started in... It was in November. November of 2018, I want to say. 18, okay. Yeah. And it was very good. I think at, from the time they started in November to about a year and a half later, two years later, I think we had as many as uh, 15 or 20 survivors and caregivers coming in, and it was an actual meeting, and uh, it was very helpful. And I think it was especially helpful for new survivors who were recently diagnosed to be able to see others and share their experience and, and learn from, from other survivors what they had gone through. and. A lot of sharing of information, and it was, it was, you know, it was, it was very good. Unfortunately, COVID-19 hit and mm-hmm. the pandemic hit, and the nurse navigator who was responsible for the monthly meetings had to stop them um, temporarily. And Susan Stuber approached me and she said she had an idea, and she wanted to do a weekly Zoom call. And I kind of said, weekly sounds pretty, you know, quite often. And she said, no, I think this is, you know, what's needed. And she was really the driving force. We started at the beginning of the pandemic. It's almost three years. Unfortunately, Susan passed away a couple weeks ago, but 
we do a, a weekly Zoom call every Friday morning, and it's kind of the same format as a regular survivor meeting. We have anywhere from, I would say, 10 to 20 people on every week. We're very informal. People will come on in the middle of the Zoom call because maybe they're getting treatment or they're traveling or, or something. A lot of the participants we have were referred to us by UCI, from the UCI survivor group. A number of the survivors were referred by my oncologist, Dr. Siri, who's out of Hogue Hospital. Dr. Siri is also running, a, I think, two clinical trials. And a lot of people come in from out of state and participate in those trials. Some of them have joined our group, and our group has become quite diversified. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a person from Sacramento. We have two people from Colorado, Denver, Colorado. We have a person from Washington, D.C. We have a person from Missouri. We have a person from Wisconsin. And these are referrals, and these are, are people who have come in for the clinical trial that Dr. Siri runs and are referred to us. And it's a lot of referrals just from the participants, you know, other survivors that they've met. So it's, um, it's a really good group. We, uh, we talk about anything. Um, and a lot of the new participants, when they first join, are quite relieved because they can ask us, or they can, they can participate and learn and ask questions that no one can really answer other than other survivors. Yeah, very true. And when you were going back to the first UCI, I did run across a picture the other day, and there were six of us. Yeah. And then the last picture that we took before the pandemic was 20. Yeah. But I've been very happy to watch your group has really grown. And I am i don't really know, because I know when the pandemic hit, the survivor group we were a part of did go to Zoom. But I don't think it was as successful as what you guys have been able to accomplish. So there seems to have been fewer people participating. Initially, we started out very small. I, don't, I think we were probably four to five, six people on a, on a weekly call. Uh, Susan and I you know, switched off as host, and uh, it just kind of grew organically over time. Um, it's uh, you know, word of mouth. Um, it's uh, a very diverse group. We have two medical doctors who are currently uh, survivors. Uh, we have someone who works for the government, uh, uh, NIH, uh, who's also a survivor, and he's one of the regular participants. And there's just uh, any question you know any participant might have, uh, you've got a group who's willing and knowledgeable enough to answer almost anything. So it's um, it's very satisfying, especially when someone new comes on, and you could just tell that. Uh, this is what they've been looking for. This is this helps them in their journey. Yeah, I've been privileged not as often as I'd like, and I'm one of those that you talk about to come in in the middle sometimes. But you know, work related, it's sometimes hard to get in there. But it's always nice to be able to come on and hear these people and, and see them. And like you say, some of the ones who are new coming on, I can tell the difference from when I'm first hearing them talk to the end of that even that first um, group together. Yeah the relief that they feel because unfortunately we're all most of us are given the there's no hope and you know we always feel that we're alone so to be able to offer this to other survivors and even caregivers who come on and ask questions yeah. i think it's really remarkable that you and susan have started this and i think it's really 
a great way to go. Um, how can people, is there a way they can get in touch with you if they're interested in sure. joining the group? Do I give my email? If, if you're comfortable. If sure. not, we can do something later. The best way probably would to reach me by email, and my email address is TA, T as in Tom, A as in Apple, 20390yahoo.com. And send me, a, if anyone wants to send me a, a, an email and are interested in joining, I'll send them a link to Zoom. And our Zoom calls last an hour and a half. And like I said, some people get on right away. Some people can't stay on the whole time. You know, some people want to come on with their caregivers. All of that is fine. Um, and again, like I said, any question is is welcome and we'll be you know to the extent we can we'll answer those questions and i notice that if you can't answer them yourselves you find a way i mean there's yeah. a lot of times i see the emails where somebody talked about something and said well here's the article or here's yeah. something yeah. so it's a, a great way to share that information yeah. and talk about it and it starts at 9 to ten thirty pacific time correct yes okay. every every friday every friday morning yeah. so yeah it's been like i said i wish i'm working on it so i can come on more often because i do enjoy listening to everybody and just just being there i mean as a longtime survivor myself i'm learning a lot so and it's yeah. and so many of them are inspirational to me as well you know, I'm a seven and a half year survivor. You're a 20 year survivor? 20, yes. Yeah. <laughs> People are really happy when you get on because uh, as much as of an inspiration I am at seven and a half years, you are a rock star at 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and it, it's, it's difficult because we talk about, uh, you know, a lot of these people that are on the calls, we lose them. Yes. And, and it's difficult. Yeah. How do you deal with your survivor? Do you have survivor guilt? I guess I should ask first. And if you do, how do you deal with it? Or how do you deal with those feelings of losing somebody you become, we become close to them through Zoom? It's hard. It's very hard. I don't want to say you could ever get used to it, but you kind of work through it. I, you know, Susan and I always thought, you know, we're providing, I don't want to say a service, but we're, providing a forum for survivors. We talk about anything. We've had one survivor who, very inspirational, um, she stayed on the Zoom call. Uh, even the first week she went on hospice. You know, and, and those kind of things are, are inspirational. Mm -hmm. It may not sound like it, but it's just very inspirational. And uh, yeah, so, you know, Anything anyone wants to talk about, anything anyone wants to discuss, um, we're open to. And I think that's a good thing, and it helps because there are so many thing, questions that we do have that, where do you go, where do you take them? Because if you ask the doctor, they either don't know or are uncomfortable answering, and yeah. you know, and they don't always have the time, and the same, the nurses answer what they can medically, but yeah. when you're dealing with something personally, or you, you have something, where do you go? It's really a great service. I don't want to say service, right, right no. form, or, or a group, and you become a family. I, I kind of view it as a journey, and you know, everyone has a different journey, and we're helping people from the time they're first diagnosed, and any questions they may have, and any, any issues they may have. You know, we're there for them. Yeah, I've learned a lot, like just from a, a couple survivors who we've recently lost. Things she wanted to do with her grandchildren before she left, and then yeah. another survivor who actually wanted to have her, I guess you would say, memorial service before she died, <laughs> which I thought was really inspirational. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> I want to thank you for coming on. If you want to give your email address one more time for sure. people who want to contact you. Yes, if anyone wants to contact me, my email address is TA, T is an Apple, that's right, T is in Tom, A is an Apple, <laughs> 20390 at yahoo.com. And any just last words of wisdom you want to throw out there? You know, anyone who's a survivor, reach out. There's groups like there's a UCI support group, there's a Hogue Hospital support support group. PanCan and Hirschberg Foundation are great resources, and they have support groups. There's a number of resources for anyone diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Well, thank you, Tom, and we'll make sure to put those resources in the summary when our website, when it goes out. So thank you again for coming and sharing your journey. I really appreciate you coming. Really happy to see you. Okay. Thank you. And as long as you speak my name, I shall live forever. This episode <laughs> is dedicated to the memory of Susan Stuber and also the memory of my dad, Bill Whitson, who would have been 94 today. So I want to um, thank you for coming and sharing that and thank Susan for also what she did. And my dad, happy birthday in heaven and hope yep. you're celebrating and eating those enchiladas and drinking that beer. So thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Well, there you have it, another great reason to tune in each and every time to Living Hope. The one show designed to give you inspiration, hope, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. And if you'd like to share your story, please contact us here at the station or reach out to Roberta through social media. And if you know anyone who needs help, like right now, we gave you some references. Let's do it again. Uh, Hirschberg Foundation, certainly a great place to get some ideas, information. There are local support groups like here at UCI's hospital. And you can contact uh, patient services at 877 and the number 2 PANCAN for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. For the OC Talk Radio Network, I'm Paul Roberts. Thanking you for joining us. Hoping you'll share this with somebody today. And put a smile on your face. 